It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box. The show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Guessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Corner of the Galaxy from the Box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Coming to you on another Sunday, Sunday, March 24th. It is still the weekend. The LA Galaxy still didn't play a game this week, uh, but we are back. I'm your host, Josh Gessman. Uh, joining me as always, Mr. Kevin Baxter, the panda himself. We have a, uh, a well, a bunch to get to. We, it may be a little bit shorter show, but we have some things we definitely want to touch on. As the LA Galaxy approach this off week, um, and now we're exiting out of it, and obviously Zlatan Ibrahimovic, his status, Ramon Alessandrini, his status, um, whether or not the LA Galaxy are actually going to close this deal with Giancarlo Gonzalez, that's something we're going to talk about, maybe a little bit about Sebastian Legette, as well as the Galaxy get ready to host the Portland Timbers on March 31st, a very important anniversary there is uh, March 31st, so I'm sure we'll have... Uh, all those little tidbits to talk about, but let's uh, bring in the man. Both of us were traveling today. We have both landed. Kevin is uh, is in Northern California. I am back in Southern California, but we are here for you. So, uh, Panda, how's it going, buddy? What could have possibly happened in the last seven days that we need to do this again? There, I, there were no games. What, what, what can we possibly talk about? Hey, I was told that last that our Thursday show was our worst one ever. Um, I, I disagree. I think I've had plenty of way worse. Though that person is, is a, clearly a, a, a new listener uh, who said it was the worst show ever because they should go back and listen to the ones from like 2009, 2010. Those were the worst shows uh, that we had. By the way, Kevin, those shows way back in the day when we first started this podcast, uh, way before the Pato and Panda were ever, uh, ever a thing, um, those shows were 30 minutes tops. How did we ever get through anything in 30 minutes? Well, you didn't have the you didn't have the panda running at the mouth. <laughs> That's exactly it. We we've learned to expand on our ideas and our thoughts since then. But uh, I know you're traveling. Where are you right now? I am in beautiful Santa Cruz, and I'm in Santa Cruz only because this was the closest I could get and get an affordable hotel room uh, for the Mexican national team game on Tuesday, which is in Santa Clara. Uh, so I'm about 30 miles from there. Hotel rooms in the Bay Area are just completely insane. There are a couple of uh, residence inns in in Sunnyvale that are now almost seven hundred dollars a night. Wow. That's just insane. Most that's a lower sort of lower uh, brand uh, Marriott property, and and normally the rooms there are one hundred and thirty, one hundred and fifty at the, at the outside, six hundred bucks, almost seven hundred dollars is just insane. So, I am in it, Santa Cruz is beautiful, and it's a nice drive. Uh, to Santa Clara, it's just pretty long. Yeah, I was gonna say it's a, it's a nice this winding, there's trees and everything. I've I've been I've been there many times, but yeah, um, interesting. I I just booked my travel. I'm gonna go whenever the LA Galaxy go on to take uh take on San Jose Earthquakes at Stanford Stadium at the end of June. I will be there for that game. So uh, I think I did found, you get a hotel yet? I did, did get a look? hotel. Yes, and it and the time of year was different. See, you're there at spring break right now, which is one of the reasons probably that it's a bazillion freaking dollars. Um, but we got one that wasn't too far and I'm taking my wife. So I already had to up the, the niceness factor. I think we like 200, 250. That's not bad. So that's, that, that's for the Bay area. That's reasonable. I mean, traveling around the country, you get to know the, you know, New York is always insane, but there, there are a billion hotel rooms and Boston's kind of crazy. Um, but the Bay area always used to be, I can remember covering the Marlins and, and occasionally you could even get down around Fisherman's Wharf for, you know, under 200 bucks. 
Oh, um, back but, in back in the day, Panda. That's uh, those back, those days are long gone, my friend. Yeah, I know. I, I would take the stagecoach into the into the middle of the city, <laughs> and then uh, and and take the Uber horse over to the hotel. Yeah, and that makes some sense. But uh, anyway, we got a bunch. I, I think it was interesting. You and I were were sort of setting this up before we started talking. Um, and you were in a place that isn't far from where you were when a, another large event happened 365 days ago. So no, it's really weird. Um, when the, the Galaxy Science, Science Laton, and uh, I think you found out uh, first about it at latimes.com or at my Twitter feed, one of those things. Uh, anyway, um, I was in Santa Clara or Santa Cruz staying just down the street. I was here to cover the Mexican national team just as I am now. When we found out, we had known, you and I had known, we had talked about it for, uh, privately for about two weeks ahead of time. We had known that Zalatan was going to sign, but there were a couple of dominoes that had to fall first. And uh, it was very early in, on a Friday morning, I think. And yeah. it was uh, very early in the morning. And we got the call that Manchester United had released Zalatan from his contract. And that meant he was signing with the Galaxy. So, yeah, that all happened one year ago uh, this week in this very same little beautiful city. Yeah, so a uh, little fun. The LA Galaxy officially signed, signed Zlatan Ibrahimovic on March 23rd, 2018. So that was the, when the official press release came out. Um, I think yours was a couple days before that, maybe a day, uh, maybe maybe not even a full day. Maybe it got announced later that day. It didn't. I think it was a full day um, that we had to wait until we uh, we finally found it out. But we're going to reminisce a little bit about Zlatan Ibrahimovic's 2018 and what that means for his 2019 and obviously looking at the injury, Kevin. But we're not talking about the injury yet we're, oh, we're, wait a minute before we get, get, move past the history i just was reminded of something so anyway we we break the the news that's a lot of signed we do that from the hotel in the morning um uh take care of all the morning stuff we have to do go to the stadium to do the mexico press conference and in the middle of that time, I was told that Zalatan would be giving me a call. And so I'm waiting and waiting and waiting, getting a call from the office, a call from my wife, other calls. Then finally the phone rings and it's a number I don't recognize. And I pick it up and the first thing I hear is, Baxter, Zalatan. <laughs> and it was like, that was totally cool. With that deep voice, it was like, it was pretty, it was pretty cool. Baxter, Zlatan. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. That sounds about right. I, I can see that. No, it is fun. Uh, but we want to talk about Zlatan, do all that stuff. I want to get some of the other stuff out of the way uh, before we go all the way into that. And and the big thing is obviously, or, or not even the big thing, but another thing that we want to cover, and, and the reason we want to cover it is, on Thursday night, we told you Sebastian Lejet came in in the 62nd minute for the U.S. Men's National Team. Uh, U.S. Men's National Team ended up winning that game 1-0 on a Giassi Zardes, former LA Galaxy uh, player there. Goal, uh, it was a deflected goal, maybe a little bit lucky uh, the U.S. Men's National Team was probably the better team on that night. However you want to look at it, that's fine. But the big deal is that, Kevin, you were there and covered the game, um, but you also got to spend some some more, not one-on-one, but at least small group time with Sebastian Legette and, and talk to him about uh, some of the other things not necessarily related around the U.S. Men's National Team. Okay, first of all, yes. I'm the panda. Of yes. course it was one-on-one. Oh, and secondly... Cool. <laughs> All anybody wants to talk about right now is Laton. So why are we talking about Sebastian Legette all of a sudden? Okay, so this is, um, again, this is not newspaper, okay? Newspaper, you don't want to, what they call, bury the lead, right? That's not, that's, you don't want to bury the lead. If you have a, a top story, you put it at the front of the news, it's on the front page, it's at the top of your article, it's however you want to do it. You want to make sure that you tell what the main point of this, this is more like television, which is, I want people to pay attention through the entire show. So if you talk about Zlatan, and the only thing probably they really need to hear right now, which is stuff that they probably have heard already, 
already, but want to talk. You can't draw people in, so they can't hear about the fact that we have, you know, Corner of the Galaxy t-shirts still on sale and that we sold another 10 or 12 pan Panda and Pato shirts, despite the fact that they're the ugliest shirt on the face of this earth. Um, they won't know any of that stuff. They won't know to go to the cornerofthegalaxy.com and click the shop button, shop any of our stickers, our coasters, our buttons, our t-shirts, our scarves. They're all there. So if you don't, if you just tell them about Zlatan, they're going to turn it off. It'll be over. So this is about shameless capitalism. This, absolutely it is. Yeah, just whatever whatever else we can tell do. them, like, hang on to the end of the show and you guys will get the winning lottery numbers. <laughs> that just sounds great if I had the winning lottery numbers. Why, why would yeah, I share a, those? Remember, no, you probably don't remember <laughs> these. They used to have these ice creams where like, if you ate the whole ice cream when you got finished, the, 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 the little stick that you were holding that the ice cream was on, there, that was a toy. You had to eat the whole ice cream and then you wound up with a little toy. So this is kind of like the same principle, right? You yes. gotta you, you gotta wait till the end to get the toy. You, you enjoyed the ice cream the whole time, didn't you? To get to the toy, so you, I mean, you're still getting something sweet here, Kevin. It's just gonna be sweeter at the end whenever we fill it in. But just well, go, sometimes you get that that ice cream headache, and that, so you know the toy wasn't worth it at that point. I was there is a great, and I don't remember who it is, but there is a comedian who does a bit about the guy who first experienced the who created ice cream and then experienced a brain freeze and how he probably thought it was killing him, how he thought he was going. Going to die because whenever you get a brain freeze it is one of the most painful things and you're sitting there going oh this is killing me so you eat ice cream and think that it's probably killing you right i mean that would that would make sense if you didn't know it was perfectly normal and it wouldn't hurt you no long-term injuries you would think that ice cream is trying to kill you anyway i thought it was funny just sebastian legit well, if you're lactose intolerant it could kill you <laughs> yeah i can see that sebastian legit go okay yeah back to him yeah so anyway i did meet with sebastian legit in orlando um, and I got a lot of grief from all the other national soccer writers who were there saying, you get to see this guy in L.A. all the time. Why are you doing using your time with the national team to speak to him? Well, uh, as you know from going to L.A. Galaxy training, uh, often the L.A. Galaxy, the crack PR staff of the L.A. Galaxy, often do not let you have unfettered access with some of the players uh, just to kind of visit and shoot the breeze. So I took advantage of the fact the U.S. national team was running this media uh round table and I talked to Sebastian Legette for pretty much as long as I wanted. One of the things we talked about was um, um, the fact that every time he seems to, to be really on a roll, he gets hurt. If you think about probably the, the, the best moment of his career when he scored that goal against Sundoris in the World Cup qualifier at Avaya Stadium a little over two years ago, um, actually coming up on two years ago now, um, and then he got hurt um, right after that, just a couple minutes later and was out for an entire year. Then he comes back, uh, has a decent season last year, but with the national team again this January, scores a goal at Avaya Stadium in the comeback, leaves the field in tears because it's so emotional. You know, Two years after the injury at the same place, scores another goal. What happens after that? He comes back and, and plays with the Galaxy in the, the Vissel Kobe scrimmage, gets hurt, misses the rest of the preseason, misses the first game. I know everybody knows this, but we're just recamping. Then he comes back in the Dallas game, plays 59 minutes and breaks his nose, and he's hurt again. So we talked a little bit about that, and he said that they, the, the, the trainers and doctors said, look, it's not a good idea for you to play uh, in the game against Minnesota at home. We don't think this, it's good that you know you could break the nose again. It's not really set. It's not strong yet. Don't play. And he said at that point, it's like, no, I, I am going to play. I have to play. I, I can't keep getting hurt and missing games. And so – he said he was definitely going to play, and then the the compromise was reached. Okay, we'll let you play, but you need to wear this mask. Uh, he had to wear this sort of plastic Phantom of the Opera mask, and he, he told me in training that it bothered him, that it, it wasn't so much the sweat and things that other players have complained about. He said you can't see, and, and bas when basketball players use those, they're generally looking up all the time. In soccer, you're looking down toward the field 
uh, where the ball is. And so he said that you just couldn't see. And he made the agreement with the trainers that he would put the mask on. And if anyone watching him before the game, a trainer came over and it was a pretty complicated procedure where they had to strap the mask on. Sebastian played with it for less than a minute, right. threw it off the, the field and went on and played the rest of the game. Um, and, and, he, well, he, and he talked about the bad luck. He said, you know, I ask myself all the time. It's like you can't step on a crack. You know, it's going to be bad luck. But he actually felt pretty proud of himself, he said, in the Minnesota game. He said, um, what he told me, he said, as long as I keep showing character, that's all I can ask of myself. Whenever something happens in any game moving forward, I've just got to keep showing up. And, and that's really the message. He said that several times. I have to keep showing up. Uh, that's the only way to move forward. Um, and by the way, in that game, uh, uh, maybe people are eagle-eyed people might have noticed that Sebastian got hit in the nose again. And, and as you pointed out, I think you told me at least privately that he was sent to the sidelines and he was, he was sent to the sidelines by the referee because he was bleeding. And as he was off the field, that's when Minnesota scored its first goal. Uh, Sebastian went back on and if you remember scored the, what was a, at that time a go ahead goal proved to be the winning goal. And he said, who knows if I don't play in that game, maybe we don't get that goal, you know, or maybe somebody else scores it. Maybe we win, you know, four to two instead of three to two. He said, but the fact is, I, you know, I, I showed up, I came on the field, I fought through the injury, I fought through getting hit in the nose again, and I was in the right position uh, to take that Antuna across and score the, the goal that eventually decided the game. So, you know, Sebastian dealing with a little bit, trying to, trying to stay on the field um, and, and, and trying to, to put all this, I guess, bad luck behind him mentally, but he's definitely feeling it. He's definitely feeling kind of jinxed right now. Yeah, you can. I can understand how you could feel jinxed about that. Um, this is this is a guy who is one of those guys, Kevin, that we get to talk to. That is just one is a joy to talk to. Um, he's always really nice. Um, always has something sort of fun and interesting to say. Um, and and is a guy who just loves to play soccer. And you know, over the years, you get the guys. You you, you would think every professional athlete loves to play soccer all the time. And I would point to you and say, you know, Landon Donovan didn't love to play soccer all the time. He was super competitive. Um, but he didn't love it like some. Robbie Keane loved playing soccer all the time, like one of those guys. But this is Sebastian Legette. He loves playing soccer all the time, Kevin. And the fact is that there have been setbacks throughout his career um, that, as you've said, just kept him from sort of, you know, taking that next step and taking taking that thing. The fact that he was willing to battle. I remember after the uh, Minnesota game, he talked about it, uh, his nose, and he says, yeah, it's like this thing is a magnet out there as he, he got hit in the, in the head with a ball and stuff like that. And he goes, you know, the doctor said that I had to wear the mask, and I, I threw the mask off to the side and basically said, you know, if, if, it, if I break it again, I'll get it fixed in the off season." He goes, right now is, you know, not the time. That's a... You know, maybe that's a little stupid in, in, in the long-term view of some things, Kevin. But in the short term of a guy who's on a team, um, who's performing for fans, who's there trying to do his best, um, that's that's admirable in a way. Um, maybe maybe the hard-headedness, uh, maybe the fact that, uh, you know, he's not worried about his own safety but just wants to go out there and perform for the team. There there are plenty of people, I think, put in that same position who, who just wouldn't have played. And again, I don't know if it's smart or stupid, but there's some... There, I, I You have to admire the tenaciousness to be able to sort of set that aside and say, I don't, by the way, not just the fact that he could get hurt and he could break his nose again, but you're talking about a very attractive young man. All right. And I, I will gladly say a very attractive young man who is, who can, and probably after his soccer career still make money off of his attractiveness is not worried about what a broken nose might do to him. What well, do you think if he breaks the nose and it balloons up that Becky G leaves him? Um, 
You no, know. <laughs> no, no. no. Despite yeah, see, that's that's why it's hard to feel sorry. I mean, I, <laughs> you, you look at Sebastian, you go, man, what tough luck. And then you realize that he's dating Becky G, and you, you don't feel sorry for him anymore. No, I mean, and and she seems like uh, they seem like there's just such a. You, I see him all the time. I've run into him now multiple times throughout this season, probably more than any other season. Um, whenever they did the unveiling, the the jersey, the Night Navy unveiling at uh, at the Novo, uh, Becky was there. Um, so and she was backstage with him, and you know, I whenever I walked by, I said hi real quick. She seems like. She's really nice she too. She's really super sweet. Yeah. Do you, do you know her story? You know how she got in, into being an entertainer? No. Um, her parents met each other at, at Santa Monica High School. Their family's originally from Mexico, but they met at Santa Monica High School and got together, got married, and were raising a family. And, and they had some financial problems and lost their house when Becky was nine. And they had to go live in a friend's garage. The whole family was living in a garage. And Becky was nine. And she said, I need to do something to help the family. And that's when she, I, I don't know what her connections were or how she decided that she would could make money doing this, but that's when she decided to become an entertainer. And she started doing commercials and voiceovers. And one thing led to another and she started singing. You know, she's the only Power Ranger that I've ever personally met. Um, <laughs> she was in the Power Ranger movie, but it, it was she was nine years old and wanted to help the family because they lost their home. And so she decided she was going to go out and literally sing for her supper. It feels like those two are just sort of, just just sort of get each other. Um, whenever they're around each other, they have a, they they have very similar personalities, similar sweetness, and and I think that that bodes well. But they always have each other's backs too. I mean, you saw uh, Becky Jesus came out there after Sebastian uh, Legette got his nose broken, and she basically had you know like she was kind of yelling at God a little bit, which was like, yeah. why does this keep happening to this guy? He works so hard and all this thing. It just it's just nice to sort of see that one. It has to be a public relationship just because of the the status of these two people and. She is a much more well-known person than Sebastian Legette is, but at the same yeah, time, she's got like a million Twitter followers. Yeah, yeah, she, she, she's 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 super famous whenever it comes to this. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's in public and and it seems nice. And and every time I run into him, but anyway, I think that that's you, you look at this guy who's out there trying to do the right thing, um, and he's trying to you know prove and he, he's trying to earn his money. I mean, quite honestly, you feel like if Sebastian Legette was getting paid uh, money and he wasn't able to play for it, that he would feel guilty about that. Um, that's sort of the, the, the take I always get whenever I talk, whenever I talk to him. Um, and so this is a guy he's, you know, maybe it is, maybe he's right this year, Kevin, maybe he has to keep moving. Maybe he has to keep pushing through in order to sort of reach that next level. Because I think all of us assume that there is another step in his game that he can take, um, that there's one more. And we expected it two years ago, um, whenever he got injured was really supposed to be sort of his breakout year. Um, that really set him back again, and now you're, you're sort of seeing that. But you, you see this injury this time with the broken nose, and it hasn't stopped him yet. And I think that's an interesting, um, interesting thing. Again, I think there are other guys who just wouldn't have played in that Minnesota game. Um, it well, wouldn't have I, I think the national team figures into it too. I mean, I, he's definitely dedicated to the Galaxy, and he has his role there. And I, I don't mean to lessen that at all, but I think when he looks at the national team and he sees guys like Weston McKinney and Christian Pulisic and Will Trapp and the guys who are pretty much appear to be set in that midfield. Sebastian now is kind of hanging on at the back end of that, I think. He he, he scored the game at a, uh, scored the goal in the game at Avaya. Then the next game was the one in Orlando last week where he came off the bench, and that looks like that's going to be his role. He came off the bench late. But he's, you know, you figure a team's going to carry six, maybe seven midfielders in the way that the uh, national team plays. It's going to play through the midfield. Sebastian is in the picture right now, but he's he's right at the back end. He's going to be a valuable player if he makes the roster. 
But, you know, an injury, again, that, that knocks him out for a year, and all of a sudden I, I think he falls out of that picture because yeah. he gets a year older. That team with Burhalter is moving at warp speed, learning the, the way that Burhalter wants to play and building that chemistry. And, and, again, they're moving very quickly forward. Sebastian's hanging on right now at the back end of that and figures to be a big part of that team going forward if he can stay healthy and stay in the mix and continue to get called up. Another injury that knocks him out for a while – uh, could cost them that, and and this team has a chance to be something. This team has a chance to be something in Cutter, and uh, obviously Sebastian's a smart enough guy to realize that that this is his window, this four-year cycle, this is his window, and he doesn't want to get left at the train station. Yeah, and and that can be a real benefit for the LA Galaxy too. You see guys that are trying to fight for those those national team spots. Geo. You, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We'll see about that. Uh, you see guys trying to fight for those national team spots. You know, usually step up. Um, usually try to do you know more. They're trying to impress, and sometimes that pushes. I mean, we talk about guys at the end of their contract and fighting for a contract year, you know, and knowing that they have that this is it, this is their last chance to sort of you know show what they can do to people in order to get that contract. I mean, whenever you're talking about national teams, uh, there's a real if you really want it, if you really want to be that, then just knowing that you're on the cusp can sometimes make you perform at a different level to step up your game to be more focused and understand that if that is your goal to play for, you know, the national team, U.S. men's national team, Mexican national team, whoever it is, if that is your goal, that you're going to be more focused in your club game because you know your club game results in you getting called up for that national team. And I think that that's a benefit right now for the LA Galaxy, for Sebastian Legette, because he figures to be a prime character for this LA Galaxy going forward. Uh, Sebastian Legette playing in the quote-unquote 10 role or in the playmaker role or it's the, the, the top of the triangle or even paired next to maybe Joe Corona with Jonathan Dos Santos at the back. However, that those three end up doing it, the the I think the success of the LA Galaxy relies largely on how good those three control the midfield. You saw it against Minnesota United um, where Joe Corona and Jonathan Dos Santos and Sebastian Legette were the three players who made that game what it was. Um, certainly Antuna being antagonistic up in front, but it was the ability to control the center of the field and to, quite honestly, uh, you know, Chris Pontius has pointed out, to outnumber uh, Minnesota in the midfield there with Ozzy Alonso, who's still, even even though he's no longer with Seattle, is still a force to be reckoned with in the center of midfield. He's probably lost a step or two. He's maybe quite, not quite as dangerous as he used to be, but he's still a dangerous guy, and they marked him out of that game. Um, the LA Galaxy did, and Sebastian Legette was a reason for that. Uh, the midfield was a reason for that. So when you're talking about a key role, the key roles for the LA Galaxy right now, obviously Zlatan Ibrahimovic and whether or not he will be able to take up sort of that goal scorer, leader, captain role in that uh, in that number nine up top um, is, is one of those. But you have to look at the midfield and what that midfield is able to do and work together and getting Joe Corona, getting uh, Jonathan Dos Santos. And then, of course, Sebastian Legette is going to be as a as he is as an, the most important part as anybody else in that those three. Uh, he really is that important to this midfield. Well, and that's you know his versatility, which you sort of highlighted. That's why he is in the national team picture right now. I mean, you have Polisic as a ten, Weston McKinney as a ten. They're going to play as dual tens, if you can believe that. Will Trapp is sort of the 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 holding midfielder. Um, you still have Michael Bradley a little bit in the picture. They have guys who do specific things. Uh, Mike, you're not going to ask Pulisic to be a holding midfielder, and you're not going to, you know, you could possibly push him out to the wing. But my point is that Sebastian can do all those things. So if you need someone to come in for Pulisic, uh, Sebastian Legit can play the 10 role. He's not as good as Pulisic, but he can fill that role. If he needs to play out wide, he can do that. If he needs to step into a holding role, he can do that. And you you need guys like that. I mean, when you're putting a team together, you have people that do specific things 
and then you need one or two guys that can back up everybody. And uh, the Leggett is not in the starting lineup because he's not as good as Pulisic. He's not as good as Will Trap at those things, but he can do them and he can substitute for all those guys. And that's why that's what makes him valuable. But again, I think he sees the window of opportunity is open now and he needs to he needs to be in that picture every time the national team is called up and he can't do that if he's sitting off to the side with a broken nose. And he knows that and that's why he's out there and that's why he says you know, I'm really proud of myself because I showed up. You know, a, a lot of times you talk about it in, in, in everything, whether it's you're a construction worker, a soccer player, whatever, you know, 99% of it is just showing up. Uh, and there are so many reasons why people don't show up. And, and that's what separates guys that are on the national team from guys who aren't even in MLS. Yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense there. Um, all right. Anything else on Sebastian or you or can we can we gracefully move forward? Let's go forward. All right, let's see. Uh, we, we talked a little bit about, uh, obviously, Sebastian Leggett and the uh, and the broken nose there, that which leads us into the injuries of uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic and Roman Alessandrini. Now, Zlatan's uh, hurt? Yeah, I, big surprise. Well, I don't know. I have no idea whether he's hurt or not. I would imagine which, he is. Which leg is it? I have not a clue. We went over this on Thursday night. I know there were people, and, and here's how I couched it a, a little bit. Um you know, I, I said, listen, we're probably, as we're sitting here, sort of questioning whether or not there is an injury, what the injury is, uh, how severe the injury is, what leg it is, all those things. As we sit here and question that, we end up being wrong because now enough time has sort of been able to play out through this whole thing where there's been no real hard information on anything about Zlatan Ibrahimovic that he probably comes back next week. And so, um, you know, I think, Kevin, I think the best thing we could do is just sort of give people our, our two impressions. If one, if, uh, if Zlatan Ibrahimovic is absolutely fine um, and that he starts training on Tuesday, which we won't know until Tuesday. The, the Galley Galaxy are not training on Sunday as we're recording. They will not train on Monday. Uh, usually there's some gym sessions on Monday if, uh, if Javier Valdecantos deems it so. Um, and then the guys will come out and actually train on the field on Tuesday. So Tuesday is our first chance to sort of understand whether or not Zlatan Ibrahimovic will be back on the field for the LA Galaxy coming up. Because if, if it's not Tuesday, then now things are alarm bells go off. Well, um, you said we're going to give our impressions. You yes. want to hear my Arnold Schwarzenegger? No, please no. That's the not the, those kind let's of not, Yeah, okay. not those. Okay, so let's. This is our first scene that we're going to do. That Zlatan Ibrahimovic is perfectly fine, Kevin, and that you saw him out at training on Tuesday, um, and that everything looks good for for Portland. So this is our first take on what this will sound like on Tuesday if Zlatan is out there. Go ahead. Oh, Zlatan looked great. Uh, it's hard to imagine he was injured. I mean, he got thirty-seven coming off knee surgery. An Achilles of one side or the other supposedly was hurt. I don't know. I th he looked great. I think maybe he went back to Sweden to visit the polar bear or the uh, panda bears, and now he's back ready to play. He looked great. He looked refreshed. Um, I, I I don't see any reason why he doesn't start and play at least ninety minutes uh, uh, in the in the game this weekend. All right, all right. So that is that is the impression of Zlatan Ibrahimovic is fine on Tuesday. Everything's fine. Galaxy Land is happy. Um, they're content. They're breathing fully through their nose and out their mouth. They are enjoying life. They're enjoying the super bloom, which I saw flying into uh, Orange County as I was coming back from Denver today. Uh, super bloom all over. But from the air, it looks like a little spot of color. Just going to sort of ruin that for you. That's all it looks like. Woo, look at that spot of color. There it is. Um, so anyway, they're breathing in the air. The pollen isn't bothering them. Everything feels fine, and they are ready for that March 31st match against the Portland Timbers with Zlatan Ibrahimovic wearing the captain's armband sitting at the top. Now, Kevin, doom and gloom time. Uh, on Tuesday, uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic does not come out to train on the field. The LA Galaxy come up with another reason why he's not on the field. He is quote unquote training inside or he went home early. Some of those things. So what is, what does that sound like now? 
Yeah, well, we talked to uh, to Guillermo after training today. The, the Galaxy PR staff said that the coach would update us on the injuries and knows a lot, Tan, and uh, Guillermo said that he was uh, giving him yet another day to get rested and prepare. Expected to have him for Portland. Uh, expected them on the field. He's been saying that for two and a half weeks now, but we still have not even seen Zolatan. There is actually no evidence that Zolatan is even alive at this point. <laughs> so uh, no one has spotted him. We're going to go with, with with Guillermo and say that he may be out here eventually. Uh, looks like probably not March. We're hoping for April, perhaps May. Um, but we, we just like to see the guy and make sure he's all alive, maybe a hostage video, something like that, uh, just to let him know, let us know he's still alive. Hold up today's newspaper with the date on it so we can make sure that it, uh, it's contemporary video. Uh, we're, we're just concerned about his health and the health of his family at this point. Yeah, I was going to say, it's one of those. I, we, he was photographed, Kevin, this weekend at Dignity Health Sports Park. Uh, uh, Liga MX was was playing at Dignity Health Sports Park, and he was there with, I think, some of the uh, America guys. Uh, so there was a picture of him, and I don't remember who it was with, um, but he was there. Uh, the uh, the hammer actually emailed me the picture and said, does his left ankle look a little bit bigger than his right ankle, or is it just me? And so I took the picture, knowing that I have a bias already in my head, and I showed it to my wife. I go, which ankle's bigger? And she goes, neither of them look big. I'm like, yeah, hammer, you're crazy. Um, so that didn't happen. So there is there is a possibility that he is still alive perfectly well um, and there. But I mean, so as Eric and I talked about on Thursday night, Kevin, it is the fact that there has been an information hole where there usually isn't an information hole. We know that Ramon Alessandrini has a hamstring injury. We've known it since he came off the field. Um, that was one of the things. And so you knew sort of what that progression was and when it was. And they even said, you know, I don't expect, uh, you know, Roman back in the next two weeks or whatever it was whenever he went out. Um, and so it was it was something that was easily understood um, in this and you were able to digest it. That has not been the case um, with Zlatan Ibrahimovic. I, I, have, I have asked and, and you and I have both asked what leg it is. Um, I'm told that they don't know. Um, I asked, is, it's an Achilles, right? Yeah, probably. Um, there's just there's no hard information. Even Guillermo Barrascoloto, and I do have a reason for this, and and I will get to it. Um, even Guillermo Barrascoloto says, "Oh yeah, he's not out here," but doesn't really understand why he's not out. He's never given us a clear reason, despite being asked for a clear reason of why uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic isn't isn't out there. And that's interesting because when you go to the people, uh, they have a staff, believe it or not, this is really hard to believe when you look at the amount of information we get, that they have a communication staff people who are paid professionals whose job is to give out information. Um, they continue to say, Guillermo will update you. And then we go to Guillermo, and Guillermo clearly does not really have a handle on this. He can say, Zlatan's not here, he's still hurt. Well, why is he hurt? What's the level? How far along is he? I remember we, we played 20 questions with Gio all during the winter. He never really had a, a concept of what was wrong with Gio. So here we are. I've always been told with these kind of things is, is trust your eyes and, and not what you're told. And so your eyes tell you Zlatan's nowhere to be found. And so then you, you listen to Guillermo say two weeks ago, Zlatan will be out here next week. He's going to train two full weeks before Portland. And then he misses the first week. And then it's, well, Zlatan, we're giving him an extra week. Well, why, if he was healthy a week ago and you said he was ready to, to train for two weeks, why are you giving him an extra week? Um, no one's explained that. And, and I've been getting a lot of grief on, on social media with people saying, why am I so pessimistic when all the other reports are positive? Well, where are the reports coming from? Consider the source. Consider the people who are saying that Zolotan's definitely going to be out here. No one can say that because Guillermo can't even say that. So I am going to wait until I see Zolotan. And you know what? Even if he trains on Tuesday, 
Um, you know, my antennas are up a little bit on that because I don't know how a 37-year-old can get completely fit. Remember, he hasn't been on a field since March 2nd, at least not that anyone's seen. So March 2nd, he's been out three weeks. Now he's going to come back, and at 37 years old, he's going to be prepared to play in five days. I find that hard to believe. Um, it, it, it's possible. I mean, Zalatan does things no other human being does. So if anyone can do it, it's Zalatan. But I'm just a little bit concerned that he hasn't been out there. He hasn't trained. And when you look at Zalatan's career, that's the other thing. The reason he has 500 goals for club and country is because he's played just about every game. He's had a, a beautiful career where he hasn't been injured. He had the knee injury at Manchester United, and that cost him a year and a half. That's pretty much his only major injury. Other than that, he's played 40, 50, 60, 70 games a year. He doesn't get hurt, and when he does get hurt, he plays through those things. So when you see him miss three weeks at the beginning of a season, um, there is something wrong, and we – really don't have a handle on what it is we'll go with the achilles but the fact that everyone says don't worry he's coming along he's he'll be just fine until i see that uh i'm going to be very uh hesitant to say everything is is great and he'll be back now and it's frankly it's much easier to 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 look at the doom and gloom side and then if he comes back you're happy things have worked out better um but until he proves that he's ready to play that's where i'm going to be i'm going to doubt uh, you know his uh, availability yeah it, it is one of those things and and my one of my takes on sort of why Guillermo might not know is that as you can see Javier Valdecantos has a very prominent position in the staff right he, we, we've noticed and, and have documented many times that he sits at the number one seat on the bench uh, that's not where Guillermo sits that's where Javier sits. Javier gets the number one seat. Uh, Guillermo's usually upstanding, and if not, he comes and sits down next to Javier, but not at the number one seat. He comes down and sits, you know, one or two, and then it's Gustavo, and then it's, uh, you know, Dominic Kinnear, and as you go down the the way. So uh, Javier Valdecantos is in charge of those players in terms of health and in terms of fitness, and it seems to me that Guillermo very much says to Javier, who's going to be available, and Javier says, these are the guys who are going to be available, and that that's it. He knows who the team is, and that's who it is. And Javier decides whether or not you're available to play or not. Well, um, there's another layer to that. Yeah. And that Zlatan has his own guy. Yes, yeah, He true. has his own physio. And, and that actually caused quite a bit of friction last season in that um, everybody else had uh, to go through the team physios, which, you know, are were fine. But um, the team, team physios were being paid less. Uh, part of Zlatan's contract was he got these – his own personal physio who was paid by the team at a salary higher than anyone else on the medical staff. That caused some friction in the locker room, especially with the medical staff. So we're in another situation. I assume that that remains the truth, um, although I could definitely see Javier saying no to that. But if that, in fact, remains the, the, the truth, then there is another layer to go through. And that could get very dicey because Zalatan's physio is, um, you know, they care about one, he cares about one player, Zlatan. He doesn't care about the team necessarily. He doesn't care about, uh, you know, anyone else on the staff. He cares about Zlatan. And, and you understand that. I'm not, I'm not, it's not a pejorative. I understand that. He's working for Zlatan. He's part of Team Zlatan, and that's what he cares about. So he's going to make sure Zlatan is 150% before he comes back. There could be some others in there saying, hey, we really need this guy back on the field. If he's 95 or 90 percent or 80 percent, that's close enough. Let's get going. And so there could be a little bit of friction there. And, and that's one of the things that you and I have picked up on, that there seems to be inside inside the Galaxy camp, there seems to be uh, a lack of clarity of exactly what the injury is. You know, We've heard a number of different things, exactly what the injury is. And until they know what the injury is, they don't know how to rehab it. And that could be part of the problem. Javier could be saying it's this. Here's our course of action. 
the, does a lot down camp be saying, no, this is what the injury is over here, and here's what we want to do, and that may be part of the reason why Zolotan hasn't been on the field yet. Yeah, there's been a there's been a bunch of little like sort of rumblings in terms of what this might be and what it might not be. That's why I feel fairly confident in saying it's probably an Achilles, and that's what everybody's been going with, and nobody has sort of you know thrown us off that course. Um, but at the same time, not being able to verify which side it is, um, you know, it just it, it just leaves question marks. It makes well, it, it, it trust your gut, right, Kevin? I mean, these are one of those things where you trust your gut, and if the Galaxy would have come out and said after the uh after his his injury after that game and says you know that he's not training and that he won't be available for the next two for the next three weeks that would have raised some red flags that's basically what's happened kevin he's now closing in on almost a month of being out well let's step back for just a second and and consider who's a lot is highest paid player in mls history right now uh arguably the best player in the league certainly the best player on the galaxy um and signed a much fanfare and uh, doing the James Corden show every every 15 minutes, it seems, on TV everywhere, the Galaxy pushing, 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 Zalatan's the guy. Okay, so important. He's an important player. Um, yet they, they don't give us any information about him. When they sign him, they want us to write about him as the world's greatest player. And then when he's hurt and we say, hey, the world's greatest player is hurt, the Galaxy come back and say, well, he, you know, we're – we don't really need him. We can play without him. It, just kind of dismissing him when when you ask for real news about why he's playing. And I, I, I make that argument to talk about what I've heard since I started covering MLS, what I hear repeatedly from the league and from the teams and from everybody is, why doesn't the media treat us like a major league? We want to be – they keep calling themselves the, the, the fifth major league in the U.S. behind NHL, NBA, uh, NFL, and Major League Baseball. Why don't you treat us like that? Okay, well, here's a good example. Could you imagine if the Lakers, if LeBron were hurt or or Kobe Bryant before LeBron, if they were hurt and we went three weeks without knowing anything about not even what the injury was, what leg it was, when is he coming back? Can you imagine the Lakers trying to get away with doing that or the Dodgers saying, Clayton Kershaw, we don't know where he is. We don't know what's wrong with him. We're not going to tell you. Don't talk to him. You don't get to see him. Remember, no one's talked to Zolotan, despite the fact MLS says there is a rule where players are available every single day. No one's even talked to Zolotan. Can you imagine the NBA trying to get away with no one talking to LeBron and just not explaining where he is and why he's not there and when he'll be back? No, it won't happen. This is why MLS does not get treated like a major league, because it doesn't act like a major league. Well, that was one of the things that uh, that Eric and I were talking about uh, on Thursday because they signed that deal with MGM, right? You saw that the Major League Soccer signed a deal with MGM uh, that basically makes MGM the the prime sports betting uh, partner for Major League Soccer, and and I think that's a great sort of thing that to have happen uh, for Major League Soccer. But one of the things that that is eventually going to have to mandate here is that they actually get real accurate injury information, and and even people who were listening in on the live show were commenting and saying there's no no way that I'm going to go bet on a game uh, if you choose to do so. It's completely up to you, as I call it a volunteer. This is for entertainment purposes only. That's right. It's it's a voluntary tax, as far as I'm concerned. If you want to do it, go do it. It's for entertainment. Have fun. Go 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 do it. But if you want to bet on a game, there's no way some of these people are going to bet on a game if you don't know whether or not Zlatan Ibrahimovic, 7.2 million dollar player, what his injury is after three weeks. You can't sit there. There's always going to be time for, you know, sort of guessing, Kevin, and, and for sort of prognosticating. And that's sort of, you know, where you think that you can outsmart the smartest people in terms of um, sports betting. But when you look at this and you look at what, you know, Zlatan, what has happened here is we just haven't had any information. Uh, I've said that this has gone on long enough, Kevin, that you and I and every other reporter who is questioning the validity of any of these quote unquote reports that you're getting are going to end up being wrong. 
All right, we're going to be, because it's too long. They've had too much time to recover from whatever it was, right? And so now it looks like we were just sounding alarms for no reason. But the bottom line is that, you know, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, if he gets hurt on March 2nd after the Chicago game, uh, the LA Galaxy win that, and they come out and they say that Zlatan Ibrahimovic, you know, has an Achilles tear, an Achilles problem, uh, and it is, he's going to be out for the next month, that would have that would have been a story. Um, in fact, it's probably more of a story now that we haven't heard anything about it in terms of what the actual injury is, what the progno prognosis is, any of that stuff. It's more of an in a story now because there wasn't that sort of uh, announcement. But it just well, it continues to, to sweep us down this hole of okay, so you know what are the LA Galaxy trying to hide here? Because it's it's clear that there's not clear information coming out. Well, let's take a trip down memory lane and go back to the long forgotten Kurt and Awful era. Um, and, you know, we do spend a lot of time talking to the Galaxy PR staff and some of the stuff is good. Some of it's not. But m my point is at that that season, if you remember, there was a ton of injuries. Giassi and uh, Ashley Cole were hurt before the season even started. And I remember writing a story saying that they ne and but by the way, Giassi had knee surgery and we were never, ever told about the knee surgery. This is a national team guy. Uh, who was, uh, you know, at that point with without Robbie Keane, he was going to be the the main offense for the Galaxy, um, and he has a knee injury knee injury that uh, requires surgery in the preseason. We're never told about that. I find out about it. I write a story saying Ashley Cole and Giassi's artists are out for the opener. Immediately get a call from the Galaxy. How can you know that? How can you say that? Um, you know, what, what if they're back for the opener? What if they play in the last preseason game? What are you going to do then? I said they won't. I, I know that they won't. Well, what if they do? Well, guess what? I was right. They were. They missed, I think, the first three weeks of that season. Then later, Jermaine Jones gets hurt, and uh, the Galaxy say, oh, you know, he'll be out a couple of weeks. Well, I talked to a doctor about, uh, and I discussed the injury as it was described to me and discussed with the doctor what that would mean, and I looked at other players, younger players who played in other sports that had the same injury, and I deduced on my own that J Jermaine Jones would be out six weeks, immediately got a call from the Galaxy. He's not going to be out nearly that long. He'll be back Three weeks tops. You wait and see. Guess what? Jermaine Jones was out two months. Same thing with Sebastian Legette. Same thing with Bajo Husidic. All Every player who got hurt that year, I wrote how long I thought they would be out after consulting with medical professionals. The Galaxy pushed back, told me I, it was doom and gloom, that I was completely wrong, that I was a negative reporter. Guess what? I was wrong. They were out longer than I thought. They were out multiple times as long as the Galaxy promised they would be out. So... When people say, oh, why don't you take the Galaxy's word on this? Because the Galaxy's word is never, ever, ever right. And the fact that he that Zalatan has not answered questions and that uh, we've been kept in the dark about even what leg it is, hey, you know what? If he's out there Tuesday, great. That means he's got a chance of playing on the 31st, the one-year anniversary of his MLS debut. Um, but you said go with your gut. My gut right now tells me that there's too much gray area. There's too much information that we don't get. And when we're not getting information, generally that's a bad sign. Well, this is a guy, uh, as you said, coming up on his uh, his anniversary again, signed with the LA Galaxy officially on 323. We gave you a little bit of uh, behind the scenes when when Kevin announced uh, that signing there over those times. Kevin, uh, in 2018, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, 27 goal games played, 24 games started, uh, 22 goals, 10 assists, 116 shots, uh, 2,143 minutes he played. Uh, 79.4% of his total available minutes, right? So we, we've been always tracking that number and sort of, okay, so, you know, whenever he joined the team, from the moment he was officially signed, how many minutes did he play 
versus how many minutes were available to him, right? So that's about 80% of those times. Uh, in 2019 so far, obviously, one goal in 90 minutes played. He's played uh, approximately 33.3% of the total available minutes. Um, and now he comes back. But this is a guy, Kevin, who did well, stuff. Well, maybe he comes back. Let's yeah. not. Yeah, well, I mean, well, he he comes back eventually, sometime, probably <laughs> sometime. this yeah. year. This year, Old I feel timer game. I feel confident that he'll probably be back. Maybe, um, you know. But this is a guy, also Kevin, who in that 2018 season, with not even a full season under his belt, uh, put up the second most goals in LA Galaxy history in a single season, behind only Carlos Ruiz. Um, a guy, you know, again, you say 22 goals and 10 assists. He had 32 goals or a hand in 32 goals for the LA Galaxy in 2018. So so clearly, listen, I don't blame the LA Galaxy um, and I think it was probably the right thing and and you can you can make a really good argument for why he's now the highest paid player in Major League Soccer at 7.2 million dollars. Um, the the biggest name in Major League Soccer by by quite a bit. Um, but you, you can you can say that whenever he played for 1.5 million dollars in in 2018 uh, that you that he was well underpaid for what he was doing, and so the 7.2 million dollars. If you divide that, if you add it, you know, to the to the 1.5 that he has, and you know, he ends up with what 8.7. If you divide that in half, and you paid him four million dollars or four and a half million dollars a year uh, for these first two years, that seems like a pretty good deal for for Zlatan Ibrahimovic. But um, this is a guy who, in 2018, you know, set the league on fire. Um, and, and granted, I, I think the LA Galaxy should have. Um, should have should have joined or, or should have made the playoffs. Uh, really unlucky, probably not to make the playoffs. Uh, they weren't a great team, but at the same time, they were probably good enough to get into the playoffs. And what happens if they get in the playoffs? Anything, it's anybody's game at that point. Um, so this is a guy now who's coming back, who's a year older. Um, you know, saying that he's going to break all the records and and do all the stuff. I mean, you know, does does is this how quickly a career falls off the the edge? And by the way, knowing fully, Kevin, that you and I have now pl- plastered ourselves into a corner, um, and talked our way into a corner where Zlatan comes back and has a record breaking season, and then everybody comes back and makes fun of us for for what we said here at the at the beginning of the year. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, I, I'm just I'm a little skeptical because I've been lied to too many times on this. You know, if Zlatan comes back Tuesday and and I have no, all I can tell you is the it's suspicious that he's been out this long. If he shows up Tuesday uh, and trains and then plays in the game, I would fully expect him to do something that no one else has done before because that's been his mo. I mean, you know, and so I, I'm not discounting the fact that he could have a great season. I, you know, you know what? He may miss every game and come back and play in the last game of the season, and score six goals. That would totally be a Zlatan kind of thing to do. And thinking about the fact that the one-year anniversary is coming up on Sunday, which would be really important for Zlatan to be in that game because it is the one-year anniversary. Do you remember when he ran on the field in the 71st minute and they're losing to LAFC 3-1 to one, uh, and he runs onto the field? Um, the Just the way he was running, he, it looked like a baby giraffe that had just been born. His legs were not under him. He looked, he looked incredibly uncoordinated. Um, and the, his first touch was just horrible. And I remember uh, turning to someone in the press box, it might have been you, and saying, "This is not going to. This is not going to turn out well." Um, it was a very hot day. He was clearly not fit. What led to that magical moment with that long, that long goal from almost the, the, the center stripe is Zlatan told himself the same thing. He said, "This is horrible. I, I, you know, I don't have any stamina. I can't handle this heat. Uh, uh, you know, I, I, I don't feel good." 
And so he told himself, look, next time I get the ball, I'm not dribbling it. it my first touch is going to be a shot no matter where I am because that's my only hope. I can't, I can't dribble. I can't run. So I'm just going to take the ball and shoot and hope something good happens. That's why he scored on that 40-yard strike because the ball came to him and he said, well, I can't dribble with it. I can't move with it. I'll shoot. And that's kind of the magic of Zlatan. I mean, name another player that could do something like that. And then the second goal, the winning goal in stoppage time, that was just Zlatan. A header, he didn't have to do anything. He just had to jump higher than everybody else. And when you start out at 6'5", that's pretty easy to do. So, um, you know, he does things that nobody else does. And I'm just, a, you know, again, going back to the injury, he's, Zlatan has not had a, a history of injuries. We know from inside uh, the locker room that there has been some debate about what the injury is, and we're not getting any clear information from anybody. So uh, I, I think the, the reasonable course is to suggest that it's something a little bit bigger than just a you know a, 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 a hangnail, that the, the, this could be something serious. If he comes back Tuesday, great. And, and that's kind of where I'm coming from, that I'd rather uh, uh, you know hope for the best but fear the worst. Yeah, it, it makes some sense. Uh, Ramon Alessandrini also uh, has been training off to the side. Uh, he's sort Everyone of, forgets about him. Yeah, well, I don't know if they forget. Yes, uh, up to a certain point. Yes, they do. Uh, so Ramon Alessandrini uh, looks to be, will look to be back in full training for this week, possibly even available for the March 31st game. So we'll see how that goes. Juninho uh, basically has been given the green light for, for March 31st, so he will be available for selection. Whether or not he makes the bench, um, how that sort of transpires is still sort of left to be up there. The LA Galaxy have a lot of midfielders, uh, Junior you know, is one of those, um, and so where he sort of sits in the pecking order right now is is, is still up in the air. Uh, Perry Kitchen still has the ankle injury, um, and I think that here in the next maybe after the Portland game would start paying a little more attention to where Perry Kitchen is in terms of his recovery because we expected him to be out a month. Um, and so that seems that that has sort of been almost the month. Um, and so he should be starting to return to training here, maybe after Portland. Um, and, and by the way, with Roman, if, if Roman is, is able to play and if Salatan suits up and those are two big Fs right now, by the way, with Salat, with Roman's injury hamstring, that is something that could linger, uh, all season. That is something that generally does not get better without just a ton of rest. And, and, and Roman is not asking for rest. He's not going to get any rest. So, it, that could be, you know, as we see, as we saw with Geo, you know, the the hamstrings just never seem to go away. But uh, Perry Kitchen, notwithstanding, if in fact Janino is is close enough to be ready for selection, and Roman comes back and Zlatan is okay, this would be the first time the Galaxy are at full strength all season. Because remember, Sebastian Lejet was not available for the first game, so this would be really the first time if uh, Ibra and Roman are okay and ready for selection. This would be the first time that the Galaxy have their full squad, that the core of their full squad, and again, you know, Perry Kitchen notwithstanding, this will be the first time they have the the core of their full squad available for selection this season. Well, then, the, then the big question comes: How do they play, Kevin? Because um, you know, I certainly think that there are people who saw the game against Minnesota and said, you know, light bulb, LA Galaxy are an amazing, dynamic, quick attacking team that puts constant pressure on the ball from a four-three-three formation with Antuna chasing everything for ninety minutes, um, and that if you put Zlatan Ibrahimovic in there, how do they play uh, whenever that comes down? I, I know you have some opinions on that. I feel that way. Exactly. Exactly. I feel that uh, put uh, Zlatan and, and Roman in, in, into that mix, and I don't think they play the way they played in, in the Antuna game. That was fun to watch. That was exciting. And and by the way, that is uh, MLS 5.0. That's the way the league is going. You look at Atlanta, LAFC, that's the way they play. That's the way the league is going. That's the way world football is going, frankly. Barcelona has been doing it on their own for a long time, but now you see Manchester City and a lot of other teams playing that kind of 
uh, aggressive, attacking, short passing, possession oriented, uh, um, um, pressing style. The Galaxy cannot do it with Zlatan, and, and I know that your argument is, yes, they do. They move into not to wing, whatever. Well, if they do that, then they're they're playing with 10 men because Zlatan will not participate in that. He's not – I don't think he's strong enough to do that at 37. I don't think he's fast enough to do that. I don't think he has the fitness to do it. I think he's kind of a – he does what he does. He hangs out in front of the net and scores goals, and that's what he's paid to do, and that's what he's good at, and that's what Cristiano Ronaldo does to a large degree as well. Um, so if, if Zlatan and, and Roman are on the field, I think they play a different kind of game. And uh, we saw what the possibilities were. Now, you mentioned that Minnesota United may not exactly be uh, Manchester United. Yes. And so perhaps the way the Galaxy played w- was uh, made to look better by the opponent. But it looked pretty good. And, and if, if Zlatan and Roman are, are back, you're not going to see that kind of game, period. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, and, and I'll say this. You know, throwing Roman into theirs, I mean, it makes it a little bit different. Although Roman certainly does press, right? The, the, the success from the press came from the fact that when Antuna pressed, the midfield pressed behind. And when Antuna pressed, Boateng pressed up. Um, and so for me, you can move, you know, Antuna out to the left or right side. You can move Ramon. And as long as you get that press, as long as you get that movement forward, that with everybody going forward as a team, because that's what drew Minnesota out was the fact that the Galaxy moved their lines forward whenever Antuna was pressing. It wasn't just Antuna pressing all by himself. Um, that's not what did it. It was Antuna pressuring towards somebody else who was pressuring. Uh, it was Antuna pressuring, you know, so that way uh, you could have, uh, you know, Ima Boateng also pressuring with speed. So you can have those still happen. It's just a matter of making sure that everybody's pressing forward. I'm not saying that it is the same game because it's clearly a different game. In fact, it might be a superior game knowing that you can, yes, you can pass, uh, yes, you can tiki taco it all the way, which is certainly what you saw with the 4-3-3 um, and what you saw, uh, you know, that beautiful 22-pass goal. But the other, uh, the superior part of this is that whenever you get to the end, whenever you get a ball that's going to be crossed, and how many times have the, bo- the, the Galaxy crossed the ball into the box and nobody was there? Uh, whenever you do that, you have a guy who's six foot five, um, you know, and knows how to score goals with his head like nobody's business. So there's some advantages to being able to do that. I would be disappointed if the LA Galaxy completely changed the way they played and just tried to lob the ball into Zlatan Ibrahimovic every time. I think there's a time and place for it. I think that he is one of the better passers on the team, Zlatan Ibrahimovic, in a lot of ways. So if you're saying that you he can't be part of a passing offense, the guy played at Barcelona for God's sakes. Granted, it didn't go all that well for him. In one the year, end. yeah. yeah. He left it for a year. <laughs> but, didn't like it. Didn't like the style of play and didn't like being uh, the second fiddle to Messi. He's not going to be the second fiddle to anybody, though. That's the whole thing, is he's still the guy on the field whenever this happens, and he can pass the ball, and he would gladly make runs off. But I'm telling you, there is an advantage to having him on the field in that type of pressing offense. He doesn't always have to do the pressing. He does have to move forward. He does have to take space. He will have to mark somebody. But that's in the attacking zone. And when Zlatan gets in the attacking zone, when he's in that final third, that's when he does his work. He's not going to do the same sort of pressing in the center of the field, which you wouldn't expect him to. And quite honestly, the Galaxy didn't do outside of the midfielders pressing into the center of that field to break that stuff up. It is in that final third. So I think the Galaxy can totally do it. And you're talking about a guy who, you know, if you add Roman Alessandrini in, is one of the hardest working LA Galaxy players out there. So you can't tell me that he wouldn't try to press for 90 minutes, just like Boateng did, just like Antuna did. So to me, yes, it's different. And it could be a complete disaster in terms of them trying to figure it out after figuring something out with the 4-3-3 if everybody's back. But at the same time, that you can't discount the fact that with Slaton and Roman Alessandrini on the field, the LA Galaxy become one of the most 
most dangerous teams in Major League Soccer with those guys out there. Well, one of the things that, you know, Christian Ramirez with LAFC, when he went to, uh, uh, you know, he plays a similar position to to uh, Zlatan in that he's a center forward or even a target striker. One of the things he struggled with last year is that uh, with LAFC playing that pressing style is he thought his role as target forward was just to stand in front of the net and wait for the ball to come. And when the ball's at the other end of the field, he would, you know, strike up a conversation with the opposing goalkeeper because he wasn't going to run down past the midfield stripe. This year, I think uh, a big part of it was spending the first month of the preseason in camp with Greg Berhalter, who's trying to play the same style. Now you watch a Christian Ramirez, and he is all over the field, pressing, chasing the ball, um, very active. Uh, and and we're just, you know, clearly we're not going to see that with Zlatan. And kudos to Guillermo, by the way. In the Dallas game, I thought the, the strategy was we're going to play the same style, and we're just going to have – Chris Pontius and, and, you know, in as the stand in for Zalatan. And clearly it didn't work because Chris Pontius is not Zalatan for all of his skills and attributes. He's not Zalatan. So um, then he changed up the style of game completely. We saw something totally new with, with Antuna in the pressing game. And by the way, if Roman does come back and does press, you know what you call that, right? What, what, well, I, I'm afraid to even. French, a French press. Yeah, I, I figured that's where you're going. Okay, good. Good. Glad we hold on. Hold on. I got the, I got something for you. Panda and Pato in the morning. There we go. Wanted to make sure we got it in before before the end of the show. Anyway, I I, I think that there is going to be a learning curve clearly, and that's fine, and I would expect it. Um, but I don't think that the Galaxy just simply abandoned. There are too many pieces on that field that know how to play that way, um, that know how to pass that way. And so if you can get the pressure from the wings, if you can get Zlatan to pressure in the attacking third uh, whenever the opposing team has the ball, um, you can get that. And the, the bottom line is that he is a release valve that you can, whenever you're in trouble on the defense, you can lob the ball up to Zlatan, let him hold it, let him distribute out, and hopefully you have that midfield, Joe Corona, uh, Sebastian Legette, and Jonathan Dos Santos, who are then able to distribute out from that. So I think that there's plenty of reason to think that the LA Galaxy could be just as dangerous with Zlatan Ibrahimovic, possibly even more so than they were without him in that 4-3-3. And you're right, he is, I've heard this from a number of soccer people, that what people forget about Zlatan is he is a great passer, maybe one of the best passers in the league. And you talked about 22 goals and 10 assists. He he had a hand in half the Galaxy's goals last season and didn't even play every game, didn't even get here to the third week of the season, so or fourth week. So And, and yeah, I mean, he, he definitely can do that. But with the long break, and the Galaxy with the international break have two weeks off, my guess is Guillermo has two game plans. Um, I think he, he's wise enough to do this. He has a game plan with Zolotan, and they're going to play a style. And he has a game plan without Zolotan, and they're going to play another style. And uh, he'll pull the trigger, I think, on one of those, decide which one it's going to go when he sees uh, the, the availability of Zolotan. But I don't think we're going to go back to the old, Zolotan's not here, uh, there's a stand-in, and we're going to play the same style. I, I you know, my guess is going forward, the Galaxy may have two two styles of play, you know, with Zolotan, without Zolotan. And if he sets up some of those turf games, which Guillermo said he wasn't going to do this year, but if he does or if he's unavailable for whatever reason, um, I think we see the other style. And that probably is a good thing. I mean, if the Galaxy can do it, if the players can adapt to it, that forces the other team to, to uh, you know, to spend their time game planning for two different styles of attack. And that's only to the Galaxy's benefit. Yeah, I think the... Uh... I think what you see in the 4-3-3, and I don't think I'm, I'm shocking anybody, this isn't some revelation I came up with on my own. This is just, you know, everybody can do this. Um, but with the 4-3-3, when you see Guillermo in a 4-3, that's where he likes to play. Um, and it, it's clear, and I think it's pretty evident. Um, I think that as the LA Galaxy go forward, that that is how this team will be built. 
um, in that four through three model. So, you know, understand that with the people they're bringing in that, you know, even if you're seeing guys, we're going to talk about a rumor here in, in literally seconds, but you, you're no seeing, way. yes, swear to God, this is so shocking. It's amazing. Um, it's not Pato. Um, you see these guys, he's going to build it in a four through three. That is what Guillermo likes to do. That is where Guillermo wants it. Um, and so anything he does is going to be a four through three. Uh, so I think that that is, uh, that's that's what you'll see going forward. Now, whether or not Zlatan fits into four three three, or if it has to be you know a four two three one, however you sort of want to look at that and, and morph that into something, um, you know you, you can see whether or not. But I will tell you that I, I think that Guillermo Barrascoloto will use Zlatan Ibrahimovic and understands his value. But clearly, in my mind, Guillermo's vision for the future of the LA Galaxy isn't with a player like Slatan Ibrahimovic. Um, and so I think you're going to see the Galaxy move more into a 4-3-3, and you're going to have a guy who will be up top and chasing more than than, than a Zlatan will do. But as he has him now, uh, Guillermo's not stupid, and he knows what he has, and if you can use Zlatan Ibrahimovic, you're going to, because the guy on his own can score 22 goals uh, well, in a and, season. And, and you're right about that. I mean, we know that, that Guillermo is not enamored with the squad and, and when he talked about in the preseason look our goal is to make the playoffs that to me was indicative of where he's going look we got to make the playoffs and you get to the playoffs with a player like Zalatan and you can go really far I mean we know the, the Galaxy may limp into the playoffs as the number seven team and they could be the favorites because they have Zalatan he can turn any game around but I, I, you're right looking to their future and Tuna says he wants to go back to Europe um, so Guillermo may not be putting everything on on his shoulders uh, and a guy like Efraim Alvarez could go to Europe too. But those are the players that are going to uh, be the ones that are going to ascend in in Guillermo's uh, strategy. Um, once Zlatan moves on, you're going to see guys like Antuna and Efraim. Both of those players could do it, but players in that mold will become the sort of uh, focus of uh, the offense going forward when Guillermo gets the, the team and the players that he wants. And he's, he's been clear about the fact he doesn't have those players right now. Moving forward, the game against Minnesota is that you're right. That's the style he wants to play. And he needs a player like an Antuna and like a Efraim Alvarez to make it work. And so those are the players you're going to see those two guys, uh, their stars will ascend. And then you'll probably see a few more players of that uh, quality or uh, th that fit that mold coming in as well. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, I'm under no illusion whatsoever that the LA Galaxy will be able to keep, uh, you know, uh, Oriel Antuna past this season. Um, it just doesn't seem likely to me. Um, he seems like he's going to be too good um, at 21 years old uh, to come in here and do what he's doing in Major League Soccer. That, Granted, he's Manchester City Loney. I just don't see him being able to stay. I don't see the Galaxy. People are asking if they could buy him. I'm sure they could buy him. It would cost a bunch of money. Uh, in order to do that. So I, I don't know if that's in the Galaxy's cards, but enjoy him while he's here, I guess is sort of my uh, my, my main sort of uh, style on that. We'll see how that all uh, plays out as we get closer to the end of the season. Uh, let's go on here, Kevin, wrapping up the uh, the show. Wanted to get to this uh, Giancarlo Gonzalez rumor. Um, it's not a rumor. I, I will tell you, I mean, you know, we, we're calling it a rumor because it's not done, but this isn't a rumor. This is something that we've been reporting on now for a while. Uh, it was something that I was able to, to semi-confirm uh, last week, and apparently the rumors are back out because Goal.com decided to put out an article about it or, or whatever, and now all of a sudden a week later everybody's like, oh my gosh, this might happen. No, it, we told you last week it was probably going to happen. Uh, that basically the two sides, uh, the LA Galaxy and Bologna, 
uh, have have reached agreement on Giancarlo Gonzalez. The big holdup, the thing that will continue to stop this from happening, um, unless the Galaxy figure out a way through it, is that uh, Giancarlo Gonzalez, because he played for the Columbus crew, um, because he was then sold for a transfer fee um, out of that after coming out of the uh, the 2014 World Cup, I believe, um, sold to it for a transfer fee, is now an allocation player. He's listed on the allocation list. That's not just for U.S. men's national team players. It is also for players who transferred out of uh, Major League Soccer because of uh, with a transfer fee, um, which means that the team that they were with didn't have the rights to that player anymore, Kevin, but that they were still an asset within the league. Um, and so that means that the league technically still holds the quote-unquote rights to that, and they, he would become an allocation player coming back into the league. So that means that in order for the LA Galaxy to get Giancarlo Gonzalez, somebody who it seems they have already agreed, and a source told me that they have already agreed, to a contract, basically two terms, that everybody's on the same page, that Giancarlo Gonzalez is going to come back and basically take up Dan Stereos' spot from everything that I understand. Um, but as you look at this, uh, it, it, the only thing that's keeping is that allocation spot. Toronto currently has the number one allocation spot. The LA Galaxy currently sit in 11th. They have to move up 10 spots in order to be, or 11 spots, really, in order to take that Toronto spot. And if Toronto is okay with trading the spot, Kevin, they have to, Yellow Galaxy will have to give them cash. Uh, somebody is throwing on a number in sort of like the four hundred or $500,000 of TAM range, uh, which the Yellow Galaxy probably have. TAM or JAM, however it ends up coming because of the transfer for Ola Kamara. If they have all of that available to them, they probably have it. So they go and give Toronto that, but Toronto has to be okay with falling all the way back to the 11th because part of trading in the allocation order is that the other person gets the other spot. So the LA Galaxy would move up to number one and Toronto would drop back to number 11. The other possibilities for this are that Toronto is not interested at all in Giancarlo Gonzalez and would pass on him. All right. And then it would go to Orlando City, who's the number two. And Orlando City would then, the LA Galaxy have to make a deal with Orlando or they, Orlando would say, no, we're not interested either. We don't care. Listen, eventually one of these teams is really going to be smart. All right. Unless they need that allocation order, unless Toronto already has a guy in their mind. So they don't want to move from the spot but they are willing to pass on it, then that's how this, this can happen. So it's there's still some complication and some difficulty here, especially knowing Toronto reads the news just like everybody else. So Toronto knows that the LA Galaxy have also reached an agreement with Giancarlo Gonzalez um, and basically are just waiting on the Galaxy to move up into that number one allocation spot. So uh, when that happens, how that happens, coming off this international break, I believe uh, Gonzalez is away with Costa Rica right now. Um, and so whenever he comes back, hopefully there's some clarity in that. But it seems like he is already gone into the LA Galaxy will be bringing him in uh, to the team as long as they can get through this allocation order thing. Yeah, I, th I think something's going to happen this week because I don't think Bologna or the player really want to go from Costa Rica back to Italy and then come back here. I, uh, since everything's been agreed upon and it's just the, making the mechanism work, I would expect something uh, definitive this week. That would be my anticipation. Um, so Ola Kamara essentially turns into Gia Giancarlo uh, Gonzalez. By the way, he has a nickname. You know what his nickname is? No. Panda. No, actually, it's people. Okay. People? People. Okay. And he's people. 31. So um, I know center backs, you know, have a much longer shelf life than, say, the center forwards, although we got one and who's 37. So that all goes out the window. But um, this does not seem to be a uh, foundational signing, someone who's going to lead the franchise forward for years and years and years. This seems like a guy who's going to get them through the first couple of seasons as as uh, uh, Guillermo goes through the probably long process of 
building the franchise that he wants. This is a guy that's going to perhaps provide some veteran leadership to make that happen. Yeah, I think you're looking at two or three years for this guy, which is still, which in MLS terms, by the way, Kevin, is a long time. Uh, two or three years is, is, is a long enough time. Um, but you're I, right. I, I love when you're going through that whole mechanism of how this happens. This absolutely uh, cement-like transparency of, uh, MLS roster rules. No wonder well, no one can follow well, this stuff. Well, I'll, I'll remind everybody, you know, uh, Sasha Kleshen was at one point uh, rumored to come to the LA Galaxy. Um, and and the, Frank Lampard had signed with the Galaxy and wound up with New York City because of the discovery rules. Like someone had to discover Frank Lampard. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's the, you know, there's all this stuff. But Sasha Kleshen was supposed to be coming to the LA Galaxy. And I think FC Dallas got in the way because of an allocation order thing. This was a thing where um, the LA Galaxy had traded uh, Kofi Opare. Uh, to DC United in order to move up into the allocation spot. Like there was a whole bunch of stuff that happened in order to make it. And that was when Bruce Arena came out and said that that was his famous, that was a famous quote from Bruce that day, which was, we need more men and less boys in this league, right? And he was talking to the owners and to Major League Soccer uh, and to Commissioner Don Garber whenever he said it, because it was Dallas's basically said, Dallas was like, oh, we're not interested. Uh, we don't, we, they're like, hey, we have a midfielder we want to bring in. Dallas basically said, I think we're not interested at all. And then whenever they found out it was Sasha Kleshen jumped and said, yeah, yeah, no, no, we lied. We're, we're interested. And so the Galaxy moved up in a position where they were able to grab him as long as Dallas passed, like Dallas said they were going to pass. And then once they learned it was Sasha Kleshen, they blocked the LA Galaxy for making that happen. Um, well, yeah. And Orlando, I mean, that you know, Orlando would, if they have the money, would probably love to have a guy like Gonzalez. I mean, they need some help in central defense. Toronto, Laurent Simon has not been the guy that I don't think so far, uh, I've not seen all their games, but they seemed a little uh, disappointed in Laurent Simon at the beginning of the season. He's not been their guy. So both those teams um, may have to be paid off because both those I, I, I don't see both those teams deciding that they just they're just going to let a guy like this go unless the, the you know, the, the price is just too high. And the Galaxy do have a ton of money. Uh, they do have jam, tam, bam, wham, whatever. They have a lot of money, and so they can afford to pay for this player. And again, Ola Kamara then turns into Giancarlo Gonzalez, who and Joe be- and Joe Corona. I mean, you know, and Joe Corona. Yeah, yeah, really, you're you're seeing guys like this that uh, that you're you're turning Ola Kamara. And it was why one of the reasons I think the Galaxy were okay with letting Ola Kamara go is it freed up the salary and and the transfer fee gave them you know the X number of allocation dollars and and all sorts of the Garber bucks. Um, to spend sort of however they want. Um, and so this is that in coming to fruition now. So um, it's... And, and this is this is normal in world football. I mean, I think the MLS sometimes gets away from this a little bit. You know, when when uh, um, uh, when Kernanoffel came in, you know, it was largely the same team. People on the same campus, he brought people up from, the, from Galaxy 2. Uh, Ziggy brought in a lot of guys, but I never had the... Even with the amount of people he brought in, I still kind of felt like the core of the team was the same. But when you look at big teams around the world, when you look at... What happens when a, a Mourinho comes into Manchester United or even even more a Pep, Pep Guardiola coming into Manchester City? All of a sudden, it's it's you know, it's moving day and, and they, they rearrange everything. Um, all the players are, uh, you know, have to audition for their jobs and a lot of them leave. That's what happened with the Galaxy now. You look at Ola Kamara and say, what a useful player. This guy scores a lot of goals. He's a good player. He's a good guy. He's good in the clubhouse. He's a hard worker doesn't fit in with Guillermo's strategy for whatever reason or or Guillermo just wants to put his imprint on it so so Ola goes and you bring in uh you bring in uh Joe Corona and you bring in um you know Giancarlo Gonzalez 
that's what happens in, in, in international football. And I think they, I think this is going to be a couple year process with the galaxy. And I think you'll see a lot of this. You'll see guys like who know I'm just spitballing now, but maybe Roman Alessandrini moves next year and they bring in two other players. And you look at that and you say, this doesn't make any sense. Well, it does because Guillermo has a roadmap of where he wants to go and he wants players that are going to fit the, the way that he wants to play. And so I, you know, I think this, this is just the start. Yeah, it is just a start. Anyway, uh, that's about where we sit right now with the LA Galaxy getting ready for the March 31st game against the Portland Timbers. Uh, Portland, uh, again, and I said it on Thursday, has 12 road games to start the season um, and so far have given up 10 goals in three games. So we'll have a full preview of that uh, particular game coming up on our Thursday live show. So make sure you tune in for that. Uh, other than that, I think that's that's about it, Kevin. You're, uh, you're off covering Mexican national team. Um, so you'll be back later this week. So I guess we'll see you on a Sunday game. It's a Sunday game this time for the LA Galaxy. Sunday game, yeah. I'm covering team, team Jonathan. There you go. So uh, so you get a little bit more on uh, Jonathan Dos Santos and how he's doing with the Mexican national team. And then, of course, the LA Galaxy kickoff again, March 31st, 6 p.m. The game is on ESPN2. Dignity Health Sports Park will be out there and we can see him. All right. Uh, anything else, Kevin? You good? I think I think we covered everything that we sort of you know knew, prognosticated on and everything else. You said this was going to be an hour. We went way past an hour, right? You don't shut up sometimes. I don't know what to you tell got, you. You got the clock. You got the ticker going there. Where, where are we at right now? We are at uh, about an hour and 11 minutes. I, oh. I, think, I think that's well past our bedtime. Uh, yeah, we haven't got the you haven't even got the stoppage time yet. No, oh, well, let's let's not. The fourth official says. Let, let, let's not go that far. So anyway, uh, no, I think that's it. You, are you good? I'm good. Uh, well, relatively speaking. All right. Well, you uh, you travel safe up there, and uh, of course, we'll uh, we'll get more updates on Jonathan Dos Santos and everybody else as we go back. We'll be back uh, in uh, in the studio again Monday, next Monday. Kevin and I will be back to talk about the game against the Portland Timbers, so you can uh, certainly check that out. Again, a live show coming up on Thursday. Uh, if you're looking for Mr. Kevin Baxter on Twitter at kbaxter11, and then head on over to latimes.com for all of his soccer writing, covering uh, soccer around the Southland, including the U.S. men's national team, the Mexican national team, the U.S. women's national team, and any other soccer that basically is uh, U.S.-based or, or, or Los Angeles-based, so please check him out, latimes.com. All right, looking for me, Jay Guessman. J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N on Twitter and at Galaxy Podcast. Cornerthegalaxy.com. Click the shop button there. You can get all of our coasters, our buttons, our stickers, our scarves, our t-shirts right there. Click the shop button and do that. All your proceeds there go to support us. All right. For Mr. Kevin, the Panda Baxter, I'm Josh Gessman. You've been listening to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy from the box podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. And for all of your independent LA Galaxy news, discussion, and entertainment, including this podcast, head on over to cornerofthegalaxy.com. Fans, thanks for listening. We ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.